Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, the All Whites prepare to meet our try. Joseph Parker recovers from his latest boxing bout. A Wellington rugby star pledges his allegiance to Samoa. The New Zealand hockey team get ready for the Oceania Cup. And Auckland gets a new football team. The All Whites' path to the World Cup has been laid out and it's not pretty, with the powerhouses Mexico standing in the way of a trip to Rio next year. When Mexico lost to Costa Rica and the United States scored two stoppage time goals to beat Panama, Ricky Herbert's worst fears were realised. New Zealand now have to beat a side that have been to every World Cup bar one in a home and away tie to advance to the tournament for the third time. I spoke to Herbert shortly after the fixture was confirmed and asked if it was the worst case scenario for the All Whites. Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody in the world probably would have made that prediction and um, you know, to think that they were going to be in a playoff situation would have been you know, quite a fast sort of suggestion, but um, they're there, and um, you know their form, to be fair, hasn't been that good going into the group. But it's a very strong group, Concacaf, and uh, it'll be you know extremely tough opposition for us. Is that the one thing that you can take out of it that they have been playing so poorly by their standards? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can only look in current form, and you know they've gone through like a you know quite a long comprehensive. Playoff system, you know, ten games, and as you say, I think winning one game. So, scoring very few goals at home, and you know, again getting beaten away tonight. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to be we're going to be positive about it. You know, we're a one and two chance. Um, you know, we need to go there in a very resilient mood, and uh, you know, if we can and get something from it, then who knows what we could do in Wellington. So, you're going into it genuinely believing that you've got a a chance of knocking them over. Well, we wouldn't hop on the plane and travel if we didn't think so. So, uh, football's a funny game. Nobody gave us a chance to beat Bahrain in the last World Cup campaign. So, um, and we certainly changed a few minds then, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. How how do you plan to get the players ready for that experience that's coming up of playing in in front of 100,000 people at the Azteca? That's going to be something most of them would have no idea about. No, I think, you know, we've got experience through the side and I think you know, inter- internationally, I think it'll be fantastic for the players. I think, you know, a, a group of New Zealand football players going into that sort of environment, I think they'll welcome it. I think it'll be um, it'll be awesome for them from a, from a footballing perspective. And I think, you know, anybody in any sporting coach, I think, you know, strives to play at the highest level in front of the biggest and, and best sort of crowds. And we're certainly going to get that at the Aztec. So um, I, I, I don't see it as a... Is anything daunting? I think it's just you know something will only get the players five days before the game, including the game. Um, that's just the legalities of getting the players. So you know we'll work out now, lock in the logistics and what we feel we need to do, and, uh, and get ready for the game. You had another nil all draw um, today. You've had a few of those while you've been over there. Is that very much what you're preparing for to try and achieve? Grind out a low-scoring draw or something similar? Yeah, look, we were great. We played really well, and you know we probably had double the opportunities for it ahead. So, um, you know, it was a game where we created I don't know seven, eight very, very goal-scoring opportunities, and 
know, if there was any minor concern, it was, you know, not putting that in the back of the net. But, you know, side rank 55 in the world, always competitive in CONCACAF, went to the 2006 World Cup, tough place to come to. I was delighted that the performance was good. No, we limited them to, to goal-scoring opportunities, and, you know, we were tight and tidy. So, you know, we've come a long piece in Saudi Arabia, and I think that's, that's strongly due to... You know, the players being another month down the track and more physically fit, being out of, completely being out of season. And we've got another four weeks to build on that as well. And are there any injury concerns? I read Tommy Smith uh, went off. Yeah, Tommy came off in the second half and uh, Leo Berdos came off at half-time, but just really precautionary. So um, they've done a good job. Young Paul T. Loma, he came on and um, adapted really well. And uh, so did Craig Henderson. So... Um, and a chance for players who are sitting just slightly outside the 11 to come on and, and, and just experience a, a, you know, a tough international game tonight. Would you say that those guys have a chance to work their way into the reckoning for these next two games? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what this tour has been about. You know, we've got some, some key players, as you know, that aren't here. And uh, Ivan Bislip's going home most of the through the week, uh, again through... You know, just a, a slight injury concern, but um, you know you never know. Come to November, there's a lot of club football to play yet, and you know, we can only touch wood that we'll have a fit and healthy squad. So um, you know, at the moment, it looks like most players will be back ready for that that campaign. So um, that, that can only bode well for us. While the All Whites are heavy underdogs for the fixture, confidence in Mexico was not high following their disastrous qualifying campaign. They're set to appoint their fourth coach in less than six weeks, and anger is brewing among the fans as they desperately try to qualify. I spoke to the ESPN football journalist Tom Marshall, who's based in Mexico, and asked what the reaction had been to the team's failure to qualify directly. I don't think people can really believe it, you know what I mean? But I think at a minute people are just like kind of... Mexicans just really happy that they've like got this like extra opportunity because I think most people don't really think the team deserves it, to be honest. And and even so, um, a bit of what I've been reading sort of suggests that they don't, they don't even think they'll get past New Zealand. No, there's a lot of negativity at the minute in within Mexico. I mean, uh, you know, it, it has been an absolute disaster. And I mean, I think you have to put it in perspective of like, you know, the the Olympic gold last year in London, and then um, you know a really good 2012 in terms of results. For the, for the national team, you know, the full national team, so it's like everything looked really positive and going into the, you know, the last round of qualifying, it looked like Mexico were going to, I mean, there was talk of absolute domination and, and maybe, you know, the region isn't good enough, maybe we can do an Australia, <laughs> you know, and, and move region and stuff like that, I mean, but now it just sounds all sounds ridiculous. And um, so obviously there's a lot of sort of anger in the public. Here obviously we've got the All Blacks and rugby, which we go crazy about, and if we um, fall over to World Cup, everyone sort of uh, runs around like headless chickens, is it? I imagine a similar thing over there with the um, public if they if they did miss out on the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the same thing with the All Blacks. I mean, you know, it really is uh, every four years people are used to, you know, a massive party and Mexicans do an to party quite quite good. So, um, you know, missing out on that would be massive. And, and you know, on a more serious note, even just for, from the you know, the prestige of the game in Mexico, I mean, you know, the, the there's no reason on paper why Mexico isn't uh, Argentina or Brazil in terms of it has the football culture. Um, you know, it has, a, it has money in the league. So, but it's never reached that level. I mean, it's undeniable it's never reached that level. So, you know, to miss out on the, on the World Cup would just be such a 
massive blow, and especially from a region where, you know, it's not the strongest region in the world. So, in your view, what is it that's gone wrong in this qualifying campaign? I think I think it's a lot of little things that have kind of snowballed and uh, and and really grown into something a lot bigger, and, and has really shaken the confidence of the team. I think that um, you know the you know tactically and on the field, um, I think teams have come up against Mexico, and I'm sure you know the New Zealand team will be planning to do the same, and just you know playing really defensively, really compact, um, not giving the flair players any space, like in terms of in between the defence and the midfield, from really trying to hit Mexico on the counter-attack and pre-kicks corners and try and get an, uh, an away goal. You know, it's been very successful, that tactic. Um, and Mexico have, have not found a way around it. I mean, and uh, you know, I think that's a big worry from the Mexico point of view going into the New Zealand game. You know, New Zealand, they're obviously going to have to play, you know, almost a perfect game from their point of view. But, I mean, it's not... It's, there's no secret... Of, of how it can be done in Mexico in the Estadio Azteca. I mean, it's there. The the, the blueprint is there. The CONCACAF nations have, have shown it. I mean, Jamaica showed it. Yeah, well, that's quite interesting because what you describe is um, pretty much how New Zealand have played. They don't score a lot of goals, but they just try and hold out on their defence and hope to get you know, maybe a chance on the counter-attack or a, or a corner or something like that. So so it won't. it's not necessarily out of their out of the realms of possibility that it could uh, could um, manufacture a result like that? No, definitely not. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the, the confidence in the Mexico team at the minute, I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. If you put the, you know, the, the New Zealand squad next to the Mexico squad in terms of talent, then I think, you know, it's hard to deny that the Mexican team has a lot more talent in it. But, you know, if, if it was just about that, then nobody would watch football. And um, and I think New Zealand, you know, do have a good chance. I mean, uh, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for New Zealand in many ways because it is a bigger, pro- higher-profile game than playing Panama. And they're going up against a team that are low on confidence. I mean, it's, it's very, they're a very unpredictable team at score at the minute, and uh, and one that's you know really down at the minute. There's no no two ways about it. But for New Zealand, um, playing at the Azteca, that's got to be something that's going to be um, pretty intimidating, I imagine. It's- how hard is it for visiting teams to um, get get results there? Yeah, I mean, traditionally, I think, you know, you, you'd have to put it up as one of the fortresses of, of world football. I mean, the results have shown, you know, um, before this year, I mean, the the record was, was unbelievable. Mexico, they'd only ever lost one home qualifier in the Azteca, and, you know, the whole the whole of history. So, I mean, it is, it is a genuine, genuine fortress, but this year, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's just not, it's not happened. There's been, I think, Mexico, they've won one out of five this year at home. Um, but, but I think a major point to make is that this, uh, in 2013, the home games, Mexico played them all at night. Now, traditionally, Mexico played, especially the big ones, say they play United States or something, they, they would have played it in the afternoon because of the intense heat, the smog in Mexico City, and the altitude. I mean, it's just very difficult for an away team to fly in and play under those conditions. Now, Mexico, I mean, they were called a bit arrogant for changing it because, you know, people pointed out that why aren't you taking, you know, the, the most advantage you can of your conditions <laughs> against New Zealand? They are doing that and they're going to play in the afternoon and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very hot in Mexico City and, you know, 
the altitude and the smog, I mean, it really does have a big impact on, on players if you if you speak to them who, um, after playing there, you know. Right, and yeah, and I guess 100,000 100, screaming Mexicans um, won't necessarily help New Zealand much either. No, it's going to be, it'll be an intense atmosphere and it'll be, you know, a question of the players, the New Zealand players, you know, taking in, growing and, and producing a massive performance off the back of it or off the back of it, or, or shrinking, you know what I mean? The only thing I would say is that the, the delicate situation that Mexico are in at the minute, I think, uh, you know, if New Zealand can hold out for the first half, 60 minutes, you know, Mexico fans are, uh, could turn pretty easily on, on their own team. So, you know, I think that that has to be the strategy from New Zealand because that's a strategy that's worked for, for other teams this year to really frustrate Mexico and, you know, and, and let that, let that you know, frenzied atmosphere die down and nobody actually turns in, in their favour. I mean, we saw, uh, we've, seen, we've seen occasions this year where the Mexican fans have actually started um, cheering the other team like, kind of sarcastically because their team has been so bad. That's ESPN journalist Tom Marshall. The New Zealand heavyweight Joseph Parker resurfaced this week, sporting a heavily stitched eye after being headbutted in his New Zealand title fight against Afa Tutupu. The cuts forced him to adjust his plans, putting back his fight with the Brazilian George Arias to next March. Arias poses a significant step up in class for Parker and is on a 15-fight win streak. I asked Parker about the fight and how his eye was feeling. Oh, I wasn't really sore. The, the sort of the top of my head was a bit numb. You know, it sort of swelled up and that. But we, uh, you know, we got the creams to fix it and a lot of other treatment things to be able to treat it. So it's uh, looking a lot better than it was before. You know, a good lesson you think to learn in an early stage of your career. Keep your head out of the fight. Oh, it's a great lesson to learn. You know, the lesson, the, the biggest lesson I learned in this fight was to follow the plan. And we practiced for 12 weeks what we we're going to do. Had it all locked and loaded and ready to go, but um, it just uh, let the emotions maybe get in the way, and I sort of went off track. And that's the reason why um, this guy happened. You know, it's all my fault. You know, I'm the one who did this myself. So just got to take uh, this lesson into my next fights and uh, improve from it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Are there any concerns now with the cut like this that it could be something that could recur throughout your career and become a target in later fights? It can be a target to those who um, who see it, or they, they might think that it will cut again easy. But I'm I'm sure that um, we're taking the right steps to get it treated properly. You know, we're going to go look at the uh, get treatment from the best surgeons, and then I'm sure that'll help big time and get some good advice on how we can uh, cover it up and make sure it doesn't happen again. And um, how, how does that sort of affect your training schedule now? I guess you won't be able to get back into any sort of uh, sparring for quite a while. Yeah, there'll be no more sparring. You know, we've got to give it time to heal and um, get better. And there'll be no fights as well. We know we plan to fight in November, the 28th in Christchurch. But due to this cut, no, it's not going to go ahead. And we're looking at now fighting in, uh, in March, February, end of February or beginning of March, which is uh, a bit of a setback. But um, just got to go over, you know. It's, uh, things like this happen in boxing and um, you can't help it. You think you've just got to make the best of it now? It gives you a bit longer to prepare and get even better for that fight against Arias? Yeah, that's what I'm excited about, though. I'll get a bit more time to prepare well and uh, put in the hard yards and prepare as best I can for Arias because he's going to be a test. He's a, he's a tough guy, from what I know, and I know that he's going to come ready and prepared. So um, I'm grateful that we get more time to prepare for him. All the talk is that this is a pretty dangerous fight for you to be taking on. How do you feel about it? For me, um, I'm in the sport and i got the you know, good people around me and for me, I love to be tested. 
and uh, if he's coming to, to test me, I'll, I'll be prepared and ready for it. And, um, and I love being tested, and I, I, I can't wait to fight him, to be honest. Um, I, feel, I feel ready now, but I know that now we've got a given time that I can prepare know more and get better. Because a guy that hasn't lost his last 15 and all against you know quality opponents or yeah. probably a higher level than you you may have fought, is that not intimidating? No, it is. Um, yeah, well, it's just uh, it's his record. For me, um, he's got good momentum and i got good momentum as well. And um, his record looks good. You know, it's real good and he's fought some quality opponents. So um, he's going to come with experience and he's going to come with a lot more experience because he's fought a lot more times than me. But um, I know that I'm, I've got a great team and like I said, a great coach who's knowledgeable about boxing. He's already taken people to the World Championship and um, I'm looking forward to training hard for this fight. Have you had a um, chance to see much of him yet? Or uh, I haven't, no, not as much because uh, I was preparing for Afa and um, my full focus was on Afa. I haven't really um, analysed any of his fights yet to see what his strengths or weaknesses are, but I'll definitely do that in due time to, so I can uh, get a fair idea of how he fights. Obviously there's been a lot of talk about this Sonny Bill thing. Where, where do you stand on it? Is that a fight that you're really interested in or do you feel that you've got other things you could be focusing on? No, um, the fight with Sonny was going to be you know, was something that I was interested in because he had the belt and I had another belt. So um, it would have been good to get in the ring and do something together to unify the belts. But uh, you know, he's a busy dude. He's got other things that he has to take care of first and he's giving boxing a little break. So now the belt's vacant for anyone else to take. and. Uh, I'm just looking forward to anyone who, who gets in the ring with me. Yeah, so you would definitely like the chance to get that belt as well, though, and basically prove that you're the best in New Zealand? Oh, definitely. You know, I've got one now, and um, there's one more left, so I want to you know, prove that I'm, that I'm improving as a boxer and getting better and uh, gaining more experience. A lot of young rugby players in New Zealand dream of one day playing for the All Blacks. Of course, only a few ever get the chance. For many top players, the time comes when they realise it isn't going to happen and they look for other options. Such is the case of the Wellington and Hurricanes loose forward, Faifili Lavave. The 27-year-old will turn out for Samoa for the first time on the end-of-year tour of Europe, which includes matches against Ireland, Georgia and the French Barbarians. This weekend, he'll play for Wellington in the Provincial Rugby Premiership semi-final against Counties Manico. Lavave told Barry Guy, now the time is right. I've been talking to them in the last few years. Uh, they approached me a World Cup, but um, I just had family commitments. Um, my partner was pregnant, and it wasn't yeah, wasn't prepared to to go at the time. But I think the timing's right um, for me, especially just to you know, commit myself to some more and just thinking about things. You know, being born and bred New Zealand, everyone can't be an All Black, and I guess that's the um, the uh, the good thing about it is that I have got another country to play for. So New Zealand was your first sort of first. Wish or something was oh, it the All Blacks? Yeah, definitely. It's every every uh, Kiwi kid's dream to be an All Black, uh, but you know I've got a new dream of representing my my parents' um, home country. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And you've been speaking with Stephen Beatham, have you, or, or someone just about you know about uh, joining up? Uh, yeah, I've been in touch with um, had a phone call with Stephen a while ago now, and been um, in liaison with uh, Craig Smith, so been in good contact with them. And so, uh, obviously, quite excited about you know what's coming up there. Oh, definitely excited. Um, it's going to be an experience of a lifetime, and I feel like a kid in a candy store. So, <laughs> should be pretty good. And just tell us about the the tour and your expectations, perhaps. Um, well, I think first and foremost, you know, just going out there and giving my best, um, and just fighting for a starting spot. Um, my expectations. I'm 
expecting everything under the world and under the sun and just I'm just going to embrace the moment and just make the most of the experience. Now you're going to have to help me out here so who sort of what sort of guys are you up against in the in the loose there to try and gain a, a starting spot? Um, there's uh, a few of the Europe boys there so um, you know, obviously the U European and the French competition mm. is, is quite strong and um, I'm sure those Lucy's will bring a different kind of game compared to over here in New Zealand. Now your little stint that you had overseas just before you came back for the Hurricanes again, uh, was that Japan? Japan. Wasn't it? So did that sort of have any bearing on the way you looked at the future or anything? Or? Oh definitely, yeah. It sort of opened my eyes up to what's out there outside of New Zealand but um, it was an awesome experience. And so, you, did you have you caught up with other Samoans in recent time? And you know, did they have a say, or you know, come on, join up, sort of thing? Oh, or? not necessarily. I think for me, it's all been about timing. Um, it hasn't been about closing any doors anywhere. I'm quite an open guy, so yeah, I've learnt to not burn bridges anywhere. And whoever I meet, you know, I'm generally quite nice. <laughs> my, my parents have taught me well. Good. Well, just a quick question about uh, this weekend, though. You know, how are the boys? Yeah, the boys are good. Um, Bit of an upset last week against uh, Hawke's Bay, but yeah, we're, we're amped and pumped for this week, and I think we're, we're ready to play Monday. You uh, you beat them earlier in the season, but you know they've picked up the shield sort of since then and looked pretty good. Yeah, no, they're a totally different team. Um, they're an awesome side. I've got a few friends in that team, and I know that counties aren't gonna aren't gonna be over for us, and we're gonna have to really work hard, and I'm sure they'll be working harder. Good luck to Faifili Lavave in the Wellington side as they take on Counties Monaco. Canterbury play Auckland in the other semi-final. The New Zealand men's hockey team begin the next stage of their road to the World Cup this month when they play the Oceania Cup Series in Taranaki. With their spot at the World Cup already assured, there's not much riding on the results, but will give the Black Sticks the opportunity to continue their development with matches against Australia, Samoa and Papua New Guinea. I spoke to the coach Colin Batch about the significance of the series. It's really our ongoing development. We've had a couple of players that have uh, been missing out of our squad. They return, um, so it's, it's, it's really uh, encouraging that we continue with our development. To have them on board is terrific, um, and to play what we assume will be two games against Australia is uh, important in the longer-term development for the squad. And it be an opportunity to try a few different things, I guess, with not so much riding on it, especially in uh, some of those other games against Samoa and um, Papua New Guinea? Yeah, they'll be a little bit tricky, those matches, because, uh, you know, the, they are uh, ranked a long way uh, down in the um, world rankings. So it is important that we play and do well in that match in certain areas, and I'm not talking about the scoreboard, but um, as use it as good preparation for the matches against Australia. And maybe to blood a couple of those new guys as well in those sort of games? Yes, uh, look, we have, we have 18 players available for each game and, of course, um, we will use them. We normally um, use almost our whole squad in every match anyway, so maybe they play a more significant role in those matches. But, uh, yes, it is a uh, international match under international conditions and the way we prepare can only uh, assist those players with their development for the future. And uh, you touched on this before, but um, it's nice to have a couple of those experienced guys, Simon Child and the like, um, who who weren't there last um, last time you went out. Yeah, we we have uh, Simon um, returning, Steve Edwards, Shay McAleese, and even though Shay has been a part of our group, 
in the in the last uh, ten months or so, uh, he missed uh, the World League three due to injury. So it's nice to have um, those three back. They're all Olympians. Um, on the flip side of that, we we have Andy Haywood, uh, Nick Wilson, Blair Hilton out um, from injury. So um, it does test our, our, the depth of the squad. I'm pleased that we've got this group um, to play uh, against Australia in the Oceania Cup. Um, it's all good experience for us going forward. As you say, um, obviously there's a couple of games that are going to be a bit easier, but Australia's going to be a pretty massive challenge, presuming you have two games against them? Yeah, absolutely. Look, they've got some injuries of their own, um, and so they're trialling a couple of players as well, but we know they're, they're always um, 100% Australia. They're well prepared. Um, they'll want to go out and play as well as they can, and for individuals in that lineup, they'll want to secure their position uh, in the team uh, for you know next year, so they'll be certainly uh, hungry for a good performance. And are you happy with um, the way they've all come back? I guess they've all been playing uh, in the National League and for clubs and things like that? Yeah, it was interesting uh, watching them play the National League um, and uh, many of them did very well in in that. So um, they've been back, uh, the Auckland-based players have been back uh, training together, but we also welcome back uh, three of the players from um, overseas. So Nick Haig, um, Shane McAleese, and Phil Burrows all come back um, from playing Europe. So they've played a lot of matches. They've had a lot of hockey over the last couple of months, so they'll be um, in good playing form. With the uh, World League finals that are coming up, I know it's a way down the track and you might not have put um, an awful lot of thought into it yet, but this, the sense I get is that it being a new tournament, it's not as prestigious and it'll probably mainly be used as another development sort of warm-up thing for the World Cup. Is that right? Um, I think it's fair to say that it's. Um, I guess with any new competition, you know, um, it takes a while to really catch on. I think uh, if I hate to view the World League um, format as the future, so right at the moment it may not be. Um, you know, it's, it certainly sits behind Olympic Games, World Cup, and Champions Trophy. But it's uh, in the future. I think it probably overtakes the Champions Trophy um, in importance. But, you know, it is what it is at the moment. It's a developing tournament, um, and we see that a lot in a lot of sports where they introduce it, and it does take a while for it to really grab hold. Right. Um, and just um, with this upcoming series, is it um, good to take it to a smaller region like Taranaki and um, who don't always get to see international hockey, I guess? Yeah, I think it's uh, 50 years since they had a test match down there, so... Um, I know there's a lot of interest in the local area. Um, they've done a great job there preparing for the tournament. I think uh, certainly all the Black Sticks players are looking forward to it. Um, and it's nice to go to the regional areas. Um, they do value that sort of competition in those um, areas. So um, we'll be well looked after, that's for sure. The Auckland United Football Club officially launched this week, announcing they'll enter a team in the upcoming National Youth League. Based in Mangere and representing South Auckland, the club aims to grow football in the area and hopes one day to compete in the top national men's league with powerhouses Auckland City and Waitakere United. They've hired some big guns as they look to recruit some local talent with Mauricio Rojas on board as the team's manager. Rojas comes to Auckland from London where he worked in the youth academies for Fulham, Crystal Palace and Queen's Park Rangers. 
I asked him what attracted him to the role. The idea of the board when I went for the job, it was to create something that is unique in Auckland, which is a, a South, South uh, Auckland club that uh, is not any club in, the, in that area. Um, and that they want to do things in the in the right way, so they want to make sure they've got they bridge the gap with this club between all the the federation talent programs and football talent programs that they just run up until they are the boys are 16 years old. So there is no after that there is no path for them to follow. So with this club in South Auckland, we're giving the chance to and the opportunity for the players in that area to have something to aim for after that after they reach that 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 age which uh, it's, it's really, really exciting. All the guys in the board are really excited about it, and they really want to make sure things are done properly. We are trying to involve the community in the club as much as we can. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a club for all Auckland, but um, South Auckland is, is, is the one that is going to have the chance now. So the team Auckland United... Um, is, is there for the community. Cool. And what um, is sort of your understanding of um, football, football in South Auckland as it, as it stands now in terms of um, the players and the sort of um, the competition it has with other sports, I guess? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, well, at the moment, we know that uh, there are quite few uh, South Auckland players that... Uh, have been trying to get into the into the other two clubs in Auckland to play in the ASB league and they haven't been successful or they even haven't tried because it's too far sometimes. So now with this opportunity, we want to get all the the talents that are in this area, which we know uh, there are quite a lot of players that have got a really good skills and, and technical level that you know that we will be will be great to we will be free to 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 have them around so the the players we understand that there is there is a mix uh, cultural in that area which is going to give us a a potential talent we will have a speed we will have a strength from the different cultures so if you know if we go a Fijian player or a Samoan player that are really strong and and you know if they go the technique and the level we will have all that combination Asian players and that are really fast they're really quick on the ball. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to start seeing all these guys coming into the trials. And I guess the plan in the future is hopefully to have a team playing in that top league um, in the ASB Premiership? Uh, yes, there is a project that uh, we we might have the, the chance in, in the near future to join the, the ASB uh yeah, Premier League Premiership, and um, and that is the aim. You know, we at the moment we're trying to set up a club that is structured, uh, is organised. They've got uh, the philosophy clear, which is to get a group a, a group of players, talented players, the best players in the area from trials, uh, get them playing good football and developing their skills and the knowledge, the football understanding. I see that you've uh, worked in the uh, Premier League for a f- for a number of years, so it'll be a, a bit of a different setup here, I guess. Um, not quite as glamorous working in um, Mangere as it as it was working with some of those big clubs. <laughs> yes, 
it's, it's, it's different, but uh, the football, uh, the football knowledge and, and the football uh, fever is here as well. And that is what, what you need, as I've seen in, in the different countries that I've been working and, and coaching, is if you've got the passion and you've got the really commitment to what you're doing, you are going to go better, you're going to get better, you're going to improve your game, you're going to improve your technique and your knowledge. And as you can see in any sport, yep, you get the best players making the, the first team and making a professional career, but also you get the hard workers who also, they get a really big opportunity. So the mixture of both things, uh, it makes the perfect player. And I can see that, that here in Auckland, you've got, you've got both, you've got really people that players that are enthusiastic about it and that have got the technical level at the moment. You know, they just need a little bit more coaching, a little bit more like high standard football and, and they will get in a, uh, in a good level where they can start aiming for well, the, the professional team here who are the, the, the Phoenix. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves, and we'll be back with more Extra Time next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.